0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. see ya. Glad you survived another Thanksgiving. Some of you look really healthy today. I mean that in a good way. God bless all of you watching by live stream. Really, really honored to have you with us. If you need a Bible, get your hand up really high. Our ushers would gladly put the Word of God in your hand. And I believe that's really important that you still get in the Word. You get in the Word and God will get into you. So we will begin here in 1 Peter 4, give you a little bit of time to get there. And I I will just tell you this in advance that it's one of these Sundays that you really need to open your heart to the Word of God. Uh, it's It's a deal today that if I had to pick stuff to preach on, it wouldn't be this. And so, again, I don't say that negatively, but I do say that just to Open your heart to the teacher, the Holy Spirit, and his conviction today. We will begin in 1 Peter 4. Uh, we're still on our series, The Church. And remember, that's all based off of Matthew 16, 18. The Lord Jesus said, and I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, my church. So we begin 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, has stopped from sinning, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, listen to this, for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Now, right there, he begins to, he dissects some stuff for us immediately and he says that you're, you're either gonna live for the lust of men, or you're gonna live for the will of God. That's every one of us in here, okay? Verse 17, same chapter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And the house of God is the church. And remember, the church is not this building or this structure. But it's the people in here. And so it's interesting, he said, the house of God or the, the judgment of God will begin in the house of God right here. And, and he ends this verse with this thought. What will be the end or the fate of those who do not obey the gospel? What will be the fate? Now, if you really like to dig in the word of God, he he cross-references this. To Isaiah 10, verse 12. And on that passage, it's he will punish the fruit of ones that are arrogant in the heart and haughty in their looks. And then it's interesting, he takes us to Luke 10, verse 12, which says it would be more tolerable for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah than the city, the church, the people. So if you think about that, what happened to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? They were wiped out. So judgment begins with us, that if I would judge myself, I wouldn't have to be judged. So we're going to dive in this a little more. Go with me to the book of Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2. And as we go here, um, we've been in this area before, Uh, not this church specifically, but we've been in Revelations 2. So as you're turning there, remember the Lord Jesus wrote to seven different churches I believe these are ongoing practices, principles that are still applicable today for the church and the people of the church. So we'll get going here. And I, I want you to think about this sense. This is to the church at Thyatira. So again, um, Jesus comes walking in today and he's our guest speaker, okay? Now I'm not liking myself to Jesus at all, but remember, he's the guest speaker today. So we really, really ought to hone into what he says. So we begin Revelation 2, verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira. Now, Thyatira was a working man city, very, very working hard people. But also, the meaning of the word Thyatira literally meant the odor of affliction. Keep reading. Red letter words. These things says the Son of God. The Lord Jesus. Now remember, he's our guest speaker here who has the eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. And so the Lord Jesus says, I, I know your works. I, I know what you're doing for me. Now just think here for a second that the Lord Jesus is right here and that he would walk in here and he would look us in the eyes. He would look you in the eye and he would say, I, I know your works. I know what you're doing for me. And then he goes on to say, I know your love, your charity, your service, your good deeds. I know your faith and your patience. Now, if Jesus said this to us, what type of grade would I get today? And he ends this verse and says, as for your works, the last are more important than the first. So you know what he's saying here? man, your service has been impressive. You've grown and you continue to do those things over and over. So in this verse, the Lord Jesus, he's applauding. Verse 20, nevertheless. You know what nevertheless means? Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, you know what the Lord Jesus is gonna do with this nevertheless? He's gonna correct us. And so in in Proverbs 3, verse 12, it says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And sometimes when the Lord corrects us, his correction may even seem harsh, but that's his love for us. Now to help you with that just a little bit, if you're a parent now or you've been a parent before, and you saw your child riding His bike on the loop, it's a pretty bizarre statement, isn't it? But your child's got his bike out on the loop. You wouldn't sit there and think, I sure hope he figures this out. No, you would correct him and the tone of your voice would be very harsh. Why? Because you love him and you know if I don't say get off the loop on your bike, you're going to get squashed like a bug. So we say that as a parent because we love our children. Well, that's the same for Father God. So the Lord Jesus says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Now remember, he's writing to church folk. Because you allow, you tolerate, you permit that woman Jezebel. The literal Hebrew translation says that Jezebel. So, what he's doing here is he's using the patterns, the lifestyle, the influence of a woman named Jezebel. This isn't the same Jezebel, but it was a woman who was operating very similar to Jezebel, and you gotta come back for the next month, okay? Because I'm gonna be on this for quite a while. But he said, this I have against you. You've allowed that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, she calls herself a prophetess. Kind of an arrogance with that. I'm, I'm a prophetess. Look at me. You know what I find in life? That many times when people have to tell you their titles, they're probably not. Not always. But it's, it's interesting. This woman calls herself a prophetess. You know the Bible says in John 15, you'll be known by your fruits. So if I'm really, if I'm really a prophetess, I'm really, I don't have to go around telling everybody I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Look at me, look at me. Now I'm gonna stop right there. I'm gonna get on that next week more and more. But why was Jesus so gung-ho about this woman? He goes on to say, to teach and to seduce, to mislead. To, to lead astray. Now, off of the prophetess and these teachers, the Bible warns over and over in the last days, there's gonna be all kinds of false prophets and there's gonna be ones that will mislead you through their teachings, the itching ears and stuff. So Jesus right here to these church folks, he's telling them right now, you're getting off on what I've called you to be and to do and you're allowing this woman to influence you with her behaviors and her, her lifestyle. Now, here's an interesting thought for you. This may help you. He never criticized this woman for being in the pulpit. He never said, she should have never been up here in the first place. His criticism was because of what she was teaching and her seducing. So, just what was she uh, teaching and seducing with? He goes on to say, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. It's interesting. She was using the pulpit to teach sexual immorality. When I begin to dive into this deeper, some translations say it this way, that the sexual immorality that she was teaching was literally the word orgies. Wow. What would you hear at church today? Well, the pastor started talking about orgies. It's pretty bizarre, isn't it? And then this city, Thyatira, was notorious for host and feast of idols. So she was using the pulpit for the influencing of God's people in sexual immorality. Now, look what Jesus says about that in verse 21. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. And she did not repent. She does not want to repent of her sexual sin here. She was unwilling to repent. But he gave her time. You know, I I think that's the mercy of God on all of us. God is very patient with every one of us. But over and over, he he pulls on our heart. He gives us time. Just think about this with the prodigal son there in Luke 11, I believe, or Luke 15. God never went after him and said, you're coming back whether you want to or not. No. God allowed him to make the decision to repent and come back to him. And when he did, man, God went after him. He gives her the opportunity to repent, but she won't. Verse 22, now look at the result. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed. The sickbed was representative of punishment for sin, and it may be that of sickness within the physical body or even resulting in premature death. That's what that meant. Keep reading and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds so we see something here with the lord jesus his desire is that we repent the woman would repent and she didn't but her, her her our desire or his desire for us to that we would repent i personally believe The greatest daily vitamin me and you can partake of is true heartfelt repentance. That's the robe of humility that we stand before God and say, I blew it, Father God. Do any of you ever blow it? I, I blow it, okay? You say, you blow it, Pastor? We thought you had angel wings. No, I don't. I still got a flesh, okay? I still blow it. Turn back with me to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to dive into this a little bit. And again, my heart is just to teach the Word of God, okay? That's that's my heart in all this, is just to continue to teach the Word. No, No other thoughts other than that. And so as I go to 1 Thessalonians 4, I'm very aware that in the book of James, chapter three, verse one, James said this, many of you don't, want to desire, don't don't desire to be a teacher of the word of God because you will be held to a stricter judgment. Again, when I use this pulpit to preach anything other than the word of God, I'm going to get in trouble. So you're going to get heavy doses of the Word of God, okay? And this is, this is the truth. This is the, the pure truth of the Word of God, because in John eight thirty two he said, only the truth will set you free. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1, finally then, brethren, fellow believers, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, that you should faithfully grow in the teachings of the Word of God. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. In other words, how you ought to live and please God. Do you have a desire to live and to please God? I do. I, I do, I have that desire in my heart. Verse two. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Through the Lord Jesus. Verse 3. For it is the will of God, your sanctification. This is God's will in the manner, your sanctification. So that word sanctification literally means holiness. This is God's will in the manner of you and mine's holiness. So the Bible says that as God is holy, we're to be holy. So he mentions sanctification. Then he says that you should abstain, that you should avoid, that you should run from sexual immoralities, that you ought to guard your heart. Now if you wanna find out what sexual immorality is, look at the Bible, let the Bible define it. Don't let mankind define it. Because we live in a sexually saturated culture. Let God's word define that. Verse four, that each of you should know how to possess, Or control his own vessel or his own body in sanctification and honor or in holiness and dignity. Verse 5. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Don't yield to your lustful passions like those who don't even know God. that no one should take advantage and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. Also, as we also forewarned you and testified. So what you begin to see here is the apostle Paul, he begins to give us these guidelines. And what's ultimately gonna happen with every one of us, I'm gonna live by man's ways, Or I'm going to live by God's ways. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin, the compensation of sin, is death. I can live however I want, but I'm going to get in trouble if I I violate what he says. So in reading all this that he's talking about, I, I don't care. How much you know, I don't care how long you've been born again. Don't ever get to a place in your life where you think you're exempt from this. When you think that could never happen to me, you've broke the 11th commandment. Some of you said, I thought there was only 10. Well, the 11th commandment says, thou shall not kid thyself. You know, I think about some of the great men of the Bible, King David, Solomon. Ones that got over into sexual sin and it cost them. So I'm, I'm not exempt from any of this. So what begins to happen with us as, as humanity, and I'm gonna throw women in there too because I believe this pertains to, to all of us in this room. But Job made a comment, and he said, I made a covenant with God not to look upon a woman in a lustful way. So what happens with every one of us in here, just one look. Just one look. Think about King David. Just one look. And and with that one look, he would have never dreamed that that one look would have led where it ultimately did. And so just a little looky, looky will lead you to hooky, hooky. Now you say, that's real creative, isn't it? Well, I looked up the word hooky. It is a real word. You know that? When I was growing up, if you skipped school, that was saying we played hooky. Did anyone in here ever play hooky? Thank you for your honesty. (laughs) So the word hooky literally means you're at a place where you're not supposed to be or better yet, you're at a place you shouldn't be without permission. So even with sexual immorality, I cross a line that God never intended for me to cross. Go with me to Psalms chapter 68. The 60, actually Psalm 66, the 66th Psalm. And when I read these passages of scriptures, I, I just want to let you get the heart of God on this that this may answer some questions in your life this morning. Psalm 66, just verse 18. If I regard or perceive iniquity in my heart, I've gotten cozy with evil in my heart, or other words, I've etched evil in my heart. Listen to what it says. The Lord will not hear. So when you look at this, if iniquity's in my heart, if I've closed my eyes to my sin, then God has closed his ears to my prayers. Wow have Have you ever said this out of your mouth? It just doesn't seem God's answering my prayers. Now this isn't always true, but I wonder how often this is true. Could it be because I have? some form of sin in my life that's keeping God from doing that? So when I read this, again, we we live in a sexually saturated culture where we have the thought, well, everybody's doing it. And, And just because everybody's doing it, does that make it okay? Does that make it normal? Now, a couple months... Turn with me to Psalm 32, and then I'll tell you this. Psalm 32. A couple months ago, I heard one of the the great men of God of our time, in my opinion, and he made this statement, and that man was Dr. Tony Evans in Dallas. And Dr. Evans said this. He said, I believe as a society that we've crossed the line in sexual manners that I don't believe we can ever go back. And I begin to think, wait, 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 whoa. But the more I thought about what he said, I thought that's, that's so true that we are, are such a sexually saturated society. Almost every movie, almost every TV show, there's a form of sex. And I, I think our dress, is, is it designed to cause other people to look? And I've had people say this to me before, is what I'm wearing, is that wrong? And you know what my answer was? Well, why are you wearing it? Are you wearing it to get a man or a woman to look at you or why? You know, in my own life, I have to be real careful with what I see on TV and in movies. I'm I'm very deliberate with that. I've become so deliberate. I don't go to the mall very often because it tests my patience. But when I go there, I do my best to stay away from Victoria's Secret. You know why? There's posters hanging there. And just one looky-looky can lead me to a place of hooky-hooky. And you say, you? And I say, yes, me. I'm not exempt from that. And so something happens when we get to the place where we think we can look at everything that our eyes see and it not cause damage. Don't kid yourself. Psalm 32, now watch, this is King David here, verse one. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. The only way my transgression is forgiven is for me to repent and acknowledge I got transgression. He goes on to say, whose sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. It didn't say, blessed is the man or or woman who has never sinned, but it does say, blessed is the one who's forgiven. Now, we live in a society really within the church that we like to use the word grace. Well, I can live however I want because that's what grace does. We've used grace as a pardon or an amnesty. But grace was never given to give me a license to sin. Grace was given for me to keep me from sinning. And if you really want to say, just go to Romans 6, verses 1 through 30, so you'll see what he's talking about. But somewhere within the church, we've had a teaching that says, you know what, you can live however you want. Well, if that was the case, then why did the Lord Jesus say, I gave that woman Jezebel opportunity to repent and she wouldn't repent? If I can live however I want and it doesn't then why do I repent at all? I'm making you think. Wow. Verse 2. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and his spirit, there's no deceit. So happy is the state of man whose sin is forgiven by the grace of God. Now in verses one and two, he used several words. Let me explain these words. Number one, transgression means to rebel. The second word he uses is the word sin. The word sin, it means to miss the mark that God set. The third one is iniquity, which is moral depravity. And then he uses the word deceit. Deceit is to get me off track. And so when I look at all that he said, sins are forgiven literally and lifted away. And the word covered there means not imputed. And it is literally erased from my record. So when I go before God and I say, Father God, I've blown it. I've missed it. I've sinned, I've transgressed, I've committed iniquities. He not only forgives you, he removes it or erases it completely. Now, that's good news. That's good news. And so, what has to happen as men and women that live by the Word of God? I go before God and I acknowledge my sin. You know what that means to acknowledge my sin? I take full responsibility for my choices. I take full responsibility for my actions. I take full responsibility of what I've allowed my eyes to gaze on. I take full responsibility for my thought life. What am I putting in there? So in other words, I don't look like Adam did in Genesis three when he said, it's the woman you gave me. That's what a true heart of repentance is. I blew it, Father God. No one held a gun to me and made me go to watch that X rated movie. I willingly chose that, Father God, and I blew it. You know what? I believe that's one of the greatest robes of humility that we can wear. Where we go before God with a pure, unadulterated heart and say, I blew it. But I've blown it a thousand times. Well, welcome to the NFL. We blow it and we blow it. And I'm not giving us a license in, but man, when I stay humble, when I stay with a heart of repentance, verse three, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones grew old. I wasted away. That's the result of sin right there. He goes on to say, through my groaning all day long. My groaning uh, is complaining instead of confessing. And when I groan and groan, there is physical and emotional repercussions. Well, I looked at that and I thought, Father God, is there activity going on in my life that is a result That I am hard hearted. I will not repent. Verse 4. Now this is so good. King David said. I acknowledge my sin to you father God. And my iniquity. I have not hidden. Can I ask you a question off that, that sentence right there. Are there things in your life. That you have to hide when you do it, or there are things in your life that you do in the secret. You know, usually that's a red flag that goes up that says, Something's not right there. Something's not right. See, if, if I knew it was okay, then I would just do it publicly. I just let everybody know, you know what? Nothing's wrong with it. I got a couple girlfriends on the side. I I traded Shelly in on a newer model. I didn't do that, but okay, I'm using the, you get it, all right? See, again, I think about those things. Hey, hey, we're we're gonna go watch this X-rated movie. It's okay. Then why do we do it in secret? Why do we have these dirty magazines and we hide them in the alley? If it's okay, then why don't we just post them all over our living room? How do you know there's dirty magazines in the alley? Because I worked in the alley for 20 years and it would blow you away what was in water meter boxes. Pornography? Oh, yes. He said, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Father God, I blew it again. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. why did he get forgiven? Because he chose to repent. He goes on to say in verse 6, For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters or trials, they shall not come near him or reach him. So when I live with sin and iniquities and transgression in my life, spiritually, I become all clogged up. So you know what the rotor rooter is to sin? Repentance. And the word repentance means to confess, but it also means to do a 180. Father God, I'm not just sorry for what I've done. I ask you to grace me. I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to live that way anymore. So we go all the way back to what the Lord Jesus began to spoke, back to the church at Thyatira. Do you know that there's some things that God hates? Do you ever want to study what God hates, just go to Proverbs 6, verses, start at verse 16. There's six things God hates and the seventh in his abomination. God hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. Thank God he doesn't hate us. But God knows what happens to sinners. When I live in sin, he hates pride. He hates arrogance. And so what would just happen if we begin to say, Father God, grace me to love what you love and hate what you hate. Wow. Why don't you stand up here this morning. Ooh, it got quiet in here again. I really believe on speaking on this that God has a desire here today. Not only to forgive you, but Take our guilt and take our shame. 2 Corinthians 5, he said, if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new in him. I thank God because of the blood of Jesus. I'm not the same person I used to be. but I stay humble enough to know I gotta have you every day, Lord. You know, I'm not here to throw stones at you. I'm not here to beat you up. But isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus wrote those words to the church at Thyatira. I gave her time to repent. and She wouldn't repent. And then the ones that followed he said, just repent. Do it do God's way. You know, when it comes to sexual sins, you want to do it God's way? I'm just going to make it real simple. If you want to do it God's way, get married. Get married. Men marry women and women marry men. Do it God's way. And I know that's not probably real popular with a lot of people, but it's still the word of God still the truth. So do I allow mankind to set the guidelines or do I allow the word of God to set the guidelines? I choose the word of God, okay? I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Father God, you know every heart in here. You know every condition of our hearts in here. You said there in 1 Peter 4 that the love of God covers a multitude of sin. And Father God, right now, that within each one of us, if there's sin, especially sexual sin, within our hearts right now, that Father God, we, we have not repented from. That Lord, I, I ask that you move within every one of us Move within every one of us today. I will tell you this. It takes a big man. It takes a big woman to acknowledge I've blown it. But I'm here to tell you, we're not going to throw stones. So as our praise and worship team begins to sing, You may need to come repent. You may need to come down here and say, man, I, ooh, I, I, I need a, a robe of holiness. I need a fresh grace today. Because this, this world is caving in, man. It's, it's moving toward us in crazy ways. And, and even in the service, if you're a young one, I, I welcome you down here because I can stand before you and say the things you are experiencing right now and I didn't experience hardly any of those things in the degree you are 50 years ago, 40 years ago. But something happens when we say, I- I'm gonna put on a robe of humility. Grace me today. And so as they sing, I, I welcome you to come forward, okay? Go ahead, Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.